This podcast is brought to you by Bonus Room Productions and We Own This Town. I am Jason D. Mears Esquire. And I'm Kelly Boyle Bullock. And we are San Dimas Today. How's it going, Kelly? JT, I do believe we've had one of the best weeks of our lives while doing this podcast. It's been pretty great. A lot just happened. I have smiled more in the past week for Bill and Ted related reasons than I have in a very long time. And for me, a guy who co-hosts a Bill and Ted podcast to say that is something special. Incredible. So just to fill our listeners in, this is not a regular season episode. We'd tell you we would uh, pop back up if we had some goods to give. And boy, do we have the goods. We have the goods. We have the goods. This is this is something that uh, we, we've been trying to, to land this for a long time, make it work, and it, it absolutely happened. So today, uh, you're going to get to listen to our interview with Dr. Amy Stock, otherwise known as Missy. I mean, I mean Mom. Mom. Oh, man. Yeah, it's just great. It's just great. Uh, it, it's a really cool interview. You get a, a fascinating look into her uh, life process, her career, what she's up to now, what she's been through, her feelings on the character of Missy. This is mm-hmm. great. Um, yeah, she was so gracious uh, to give us the time. I just still can't believe we did that. I know. Really cool. Also, other big Bill and Ted news. Uh, Alex Winter's been popping up in several places as Bill S. Preston Esquire. Yeah. Bill S. Preston Esquire made his Jimmy Kimmel Live debut. Yes. He also was heavily featured in a Super Bowl ad. Yes. Which is, which is so cool. <laughs> so cool. I mean, I'm not necessarily a fan of Walmart, but... Kudos to them for that excellent sure. advertisement. Yeah, and it was just great to see him back in character. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole Kimmel sketch was amazing. Yeah, um, so good. And, you know, it just, I mean, it was Bill. Yeah, and it, like, you, you saw him as adult. They're calling him Old Bill. I kind of take umbrage with that because I'm pretty close to his age, but I guess Old Bill makes sense. <laughs> he totally rocked it. It, it. it was the character, and I'm, I'm so excited for the movie. I've watched that ad online like 20 times. Just to see his smile. And it, it's it's glorious. <laughs> just glorious. Another cool thing that I learned this week, I, I listened to this podcast called The Rewatchables. It's it's on Bill Simmons, The Ringer Network. Hey, uh, Bill Simmons and The Ringer, look for the San Dimas Today bump because you just got referenced here. So Boom. Yeah. Yep. We're calling you out now. Yeah. Getting the San Dimas Today bump. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they were, uh, they were talking about the movie Heat. They had dropped some uh, casting uh, research that they had done, some casting knowledge that uh, the role Vincent played by Val Kilmer, Keanu was actually offered the role first. Man. they all Then they brought in Val to audition, and I think he outdid Keanu and won the role. Maybe. maybe. I, I can still see Keanu rocking that role, especially he, he looks- Sure. He, you know, yeah, I think so. I think, I think there's a world where that would have worked and, great. And it kind of makes sense, too, because at the time, I mean, Val Kilmer's always kind of looked like he was 40, except, well, in the 90s. He, he went from- in the 80s with, like, a uh, real genius in those. He, he, he looked like a handsome 20-something mm-hmm. young man, even when he was playing a teenager. As soon as the 90s hit, he looked like he was 40. Yeah. Right? And then yeah. once 2000s hit, he was, like, 60. And, you know, it's cool. <laughs> I mean, like, he's an incredible actor. But I think that role of Vince in Heat, if it would have been played by a character that looked even younger, might have even made more sense. True, true. You know, like, because he, he was definitely the, the immature guy who looked up to Robert De Niro's character. Yeah. Yeah. I think I could have seen it work better if if the Robert De Niro character was maybe played by somebody else. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can which, see that. Which I think they were saying, like, 
Lawrence Fishburne was considered at one point. No, I, other could, I could not see Keanu Reeves and Lawrence Fishburne ever working together. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I don't know. That would never Those work. Those two on screen together. Nope, Who nope, nope. Yeah. And if he would have done Heat, I, I was looking at IMDb and like what he was acting in around that time. It's interesting to think of what projects he would have turned down because like Johnny mm-hmm. Mnemonic came out around the same time as Heat. So maybe he filmed that instead of Heat. There was also like a walk in the clouds. I don't know at what point, you know, the point break to... I'm not point break to speed, speed to two incident came up because he was essentially blackballed for a few years. Right. Uh, because he didn't take that role. But yeah. He also knows how to read a script and he knows when that script is terrible. So speed on a boat. Yeah. yeah all in. Yeah. Sorry, Jason Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Okay. Yeah. Enough with uh, our, our heat podcast will be coming later on this year. <laughs> right. Um, uh, anyway, we, uh, we want to, um, I guess, take you to the interview now. Why, why wait any longer? Yeah. Sorry for the, uh, everyone. Enjoy. Our discussion with Dr. Amy Stock. Excellent! Amy Stock, thank you so much for being here with us. You're more than welcome. It's my pleasure. We're so excited. We've got a lot of ground we want to cover, but I was just wondering if you could tell us first how you got into acting. How I got into acting? Boy, that's a novel waiting to be written. Uh, (laughs) I guess when I was in, this is the story I usually tell, when I was in second grade, uh, we had career day. And I came home from career day all excited and promptly told my mother that I was going to be a movie star. I think that's the day she started to turn gray. (laughs) But honestly, I never wavered from that all through elementary school, junior high, high school, college and grad school. I did nothing but theater and choirs and music and just started that way. And I also remember... When, I, when we were graduating from high school, we had a really good group of theater kids at um, Euclid High in Ohio. And one of my best friends at that time asked me what I was going to major in in college because we were all going to college. I said, well, I'm going to major in theater. And he looked at me like I was crazy. He said, you're, you're allowed to do that? I said, yeah, <laughs> uh, my parents are fine with that. So because his weren't. And I felt really bad for him because he was a really good performer. Uh, after college, uh, I went to Ashland University in Ohio with my BA in theater, auditioned my senior year for uh, the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York. My mom saw the audition notice and she insisted I go and try out. So I did and I got in. So I went to New York for a year and studied there, uh, became extremely homesick. So I came back to Cleveland and started working, started modeling and teaching at a local performing arts little place and my modeling eventually led me to Chicago so I moved to Chicago was there for a year did um, some commercial work and modeling and theater Uh, got my SAG card in Chicago because I shot a national commercial there which was cool and that's where I had the audition for Star Search when I got on that show I moved out to Los Angeles during the taping of all of that with a friend and that's pretty much the start of it all Wow. I was on Star Search. I won, unbelievably, I won five times in the regular season and made it to the semifinals. But on my last regular show competition, the one where I lost, this woman comes up to me backstage and she just, she was one of the judges, and she introduces herself and she goes, Hi, I'm Sue Cameron and I'd really like to represent you. Wow. I went, Okay. <laughs> wow. These are great in Hollywood. You know, I was just, I had no clue. So that's how I got my first agent. It was extremely good agent. And from there, I just started auditioning and getting work. And it was, it was really, I was very lucky. 
Let's put it that way. We saw one, one of your earlier roles was in Summer School, right? With uh, Directed by Carl Reiner, is that correct? Yes, yes. What was that yeah. like? How did that work? What was the audition like? Was it just kind of normal and then show up and you're doing a movie with Carl Reiner? Or how, what was that like? <laughs> pretty, pretty much. Uh, yeah. You know, it's really funny, guys, because now that I'm older and I'm looking back on the work I did, I'm kind of flabbergasted with some of the people I've worked with. But going through it at the time, it was you were a working actor. You went to an audition. If you got a call back, great. And then if you got the job, fantastic. Uh, but the one with summer school, uh, it was a cute part to begin with. And it was fun to shoot. But I grew up watching the Dick Van Dyke show with Carl Reiner on that show and thought he was just a comic genius. And when I got to work with him, I, I just I watched everything he did. He was so energetic so caring towards Mark Harmon, because I think that was the first comedy that Mark Harmon did, and he was a little nervous about it. But this is the way Carl Reiner would direct. We were out in a parking lot at his school uh, shooting, and Mark and I were in the parking lot by the car, and there was a set of bushes off camera. So what would happen is Carl would hide in the bushes. We'd do a take. He'd run out of the bushes, give Mark a, a direction or something, tweak something, run back into the bushes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. He just wanted to be close by. I don't know. He was very intense that way. It was, it was really an honor to get to work with him. That's great. It's amazing. He's still going strong. I just, they, they, they just did an oral history looking back on the jerk and, uh, it was a great interview. Now was, was summer school. Did that actually, did that film before or after excellent adventure? Oh gosh. Uh, I believe that was before that was before. Yeah, I the timeline for me is getting a little wonky, but yeah, that um, it had. Well, hold on, maybe not. Well, we I knew, don't know. <laughs> right, there was such a delay on the release of of, of Excellent Adventure. I, I just wasn't sure on the timeline there. Might have been after. You may want to look it up. Uh, date <laughs> one. I'm not sure. Yeah. So, can you walk us through what led to the audition for Excellent Adventure and that process? Uh, well, I was on uh, Days of Our Lives at that time, and actually being killed off the show condolences yeah thank you uh i was actually quite happy i i i I really loved doing the soap but i was nervous every day because of the memorizing and the what i it wasn't really my style of acting and so they were killing me off the show and so my agent started sending me out again for future projects and that's when i got the audition for the initial audition for bill and ted it was the watering scene where you know the phone booth drops down behind me and all the people come out And there's not a lot to say in that scene. And there's, you know, it's short, whatever. So it was fun to do. I actually think I do better when I don't say a lot because of the reactions and the little improv things that you do in between. So that was great. I left after the first audition. Uh, I don't remember how long it was until I heard I got a call back. So I went back again with a different set of actresses, you know, because they hone them down. Went back again. (laughs) Went back again. Back again. Wow. I think I went back six times before I actually got the part. And I've always joked it's because they had in the initial script of, of BT, they had a lot of um, jokes about looking down Missy's shirt and how built she was and blah, blah, blah. Well, I wasn't built at that time in my life. I just didn't have the chest for it. And every time. I went back, there was another set of really beautiful young women with great bodies, and I just, to this day, I just keep saying, I think why I got the part is because every time I went back, 
I did something just a little different, and I tried to make them laugh. And I think they really liked that. Well, that's well, great. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it definitely worked. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, just the way that you're absolutely correct in, in both the films, um, the way that you react is just fantastic. I mean, it, it is it's little nuanced things that somebody else might not have done or maybe you don't pick up on the first or second thing, but it makes Missy very real. And it, it oh, makes her like uh, she's honestly surprisingly iconic in, in the film. <laughs> like it, she she's like a core tenet of the Bill and Ted universe. And it's just amazing. Like we, we, yeah. we, we've talked in the past with uh, Chris Matheson and, you know, he, he spoke about in the original drafts about how, you know, there were some mean jokes about Ted's mom and things like that. And I, I honestly feel like the Missy progression kind of guided the entire films toward a kinder uh, mm-hmm. way right. of going forward. And it, it's, it's just great. It just delightful. I- and, and that scene you're talking about with the auditioning, just love the reactions with, with every more absurd name as the characters come out of the... It's just great. Yeah, my, my favorite is Bob Genghis Khan. Yes, yes, that's the best. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, Bill and Ted, it, it filmed, it had its original ending. Had you, like, completed your filming and you were off doing other things and then they called you back to do the 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 final scene in the gymnasium? Because we know that was a yeah. rewrite. What- yeah, uh, I did. Really, I don't remember how long a time it wasn't a very long time, uh, but they, they called me back originally. I wasn't in the final scene, so I think they wanted to add all of us in that final scene. And they felt the original ending was very flat like they had gone through this whole adventure and then they just end up in the classroom. So that's when they all got the idea of the auditorium, and it was it really worked. It was great to be back and great to be a part of that ending scene. So it, it worked great. Yeah, I love the little moment you have with their history professor too yeah. at the end when you when you just butt <laughs> up and he's so happy to see you. It just it, it's just so <laughs> great. It's a nice yeah. touch. Yeah, with Bill and Ted's bogus journey. I mean, I, I'm thrilled. Like, did you know off the bat that you were going to be coming back for that, or was it? You got a call and they're oh. like, "Hey, they're doing bogus journey. Do you want to come back and be Missy again?" Yeah, no, I had no idea. I had no idea they were wanting me back. I, I don't know. It's, it's interesting that you say that it's such an iconic little character because I also had a talk with Ed and Chris individually when we were in New Orleans shooting this last one. And they were both saying that, yeah, I, I am part of the universe. I kind of drive a lot of this stuff that's going on. And I thought about it and went, wow, okay. But at the time, after we shot Bill and Ted's, the first one, I didn't know they were going to call me back so when they did i think i actually said to scott when i first saw him on the first day of shooting for bogus journey i think i actually told scott i said i didn't know you would want me back and he looked at me like i was crazy and he said of course we want missy you were a slam dunk i went okay. yeah Thanks. I, absolutely that i i love the original princesses in the first film i Love the second set of princesses in the second film, and I like the actresses that they chose for the princesses in the third film. And I mean, no disrespect to any of them, but I, I can envision a world where those princesses get recast. I cannot envision a world where Missy gets recast. Right. Oh, thank you. Oh my God, you guys are making me feel like a million bucks. Right. Thank you. I, I just, and then when I got the script for this third one and I was in it again I just I got the call from Scott uh Kruf, the producer and I nearly went through the roof I was so excited to hear that I was back again and just loved it so 
yeah, she's she's actually become quite a quite a part of me. That's that's wonderful. <laughs> that is just wonderful. Being being one of the cast members that was in both movies, was it a different feel with the second movie and, you know, a different director obviously, a uh, bigger budget? Yeah, it was. Uh during the shoot, it was great. I mean, Peter was a great director, had a lot of fun. Uh the séance scene for me, my favorite scene in those first two movies is the seance scene from bogus journey <laughs> sure. because that's where i had a lot to and i had ed and chris and all of their writing partner friends in the circle <laughs> so we had a really really good time doing that scene and there was a different feel it was we're in a sequel now because nobody knew bill and ted's uh, excellent adventure was going to do anything like uh, you said it was it sat on the shelf for 2 years while the company went bankrupt and we had no idea it was ever going to come out so when it did and it was so popular and then we get the call for bogus journey the budget was bigger the feel was much bigger and just i think the intensity of doing a sequel really upped the pressure a little bit but for me personally that séance scene was just so much fun to do i just had a great time so i was fine with it and the special effects and everything in Bogus Journey were were very ambitious. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, just Alex being his grandmother just cracked me. <laughs> oh, it was but, so good. Yeah. It's great. Yep. That's Every time I go back and watch that, it's just amazing to me how weird that movie really is. <laughs> oh, it, yeah, it is. I just watched it with my family over New Year's because they wanted to see it. And I just went, yeah, that is kind of bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much, though. Let me ask you this, because Missy as written could have been an incredibly one dimensional character. Like she could have mm-hmm. just been like the, the young sex pot who marries both of their fathers, but you bring so much more to her than that. I mean, she has this real maternal instinct, which is not something you expect from somebody, you know, her age. How, how did you approach the character when given the, the minimal amount written in that first film, how did you approach okay. that and bring that nuance in there? I channeled my mom. I channeled my mother, June. First of all, I never, and thank you for saying that again, but I never looked at Missy as a dumb blonde. I don't ever do that. And you're right. She could have been very one-dimensional. But here's the way I look at it. When I was shooting, again, like I said, I channeled my mother and her warm instinct and her her kind of higher-pitched, giggly little voice and just wanting to help. You know, my mom was always wanting to help. What can I do for you? Yeah, talk to me, what's going on, that whole thing. And then for the character, I just came up with this thought of, well, she graduated high school. She married an older man with a house that's a nice house and a good job. And he's already got a kid, so he's not going to want any more. She's got it all, you know. She's got the home, the kid, and she's going to do what she can for all of that. So I just find her to be a very content person with what she does it really comes across i know we've posited on this podcast that missy is the true power player of the bill and ted movies right you know like she starts with uh, bill's father and they're in a nice house and in the first film ted's family's house isn't as great and then in the second film she's with ted's father and they're in a much nicer house so our, our personal theory is missy's actually the one with the money and the power in the relationships and she's just choosing you know who's the best suitor for her but um i like that idea i might uh, i might think about that further yeah, yeah. that does actually make sense yeah i get it <laughs> it's so, silly um so after bill and ted we you started doing the Gunsmoke uh, TV films. Was that after Bill and Ted? During uh, that, that was period? actually 
That was, oh boy. Yeah, I did four of those. Uh, those are my heart and soul that those four movies of the week and the people I got to work with on those and the places we went to shoot just amazing stuff. Uh, I think I got Bill and Ted excellent adventure first and then we shot it. And then I got the first gun smoke, which we shot I think in 87. Uh, and then when I was on the shoot for bogus journey, I got the call for the second gun smoke. Uh, I just remember being in my trailer shooting for Bogus Journey and my um, my now ex-husband, uh, my husband at the time, called me and said, guess what? I said, well, what? He said, you're going to work again. I went, on what? And he just was silent because he knew how much I loved the gun smokes. He was just smiling, kind of chuckling a little. And I went, oh, my God, it's gun smoke, isn't it? <laughs> and he said, yep. <laughs> and I ran out of the trailer and I remember I was running into set and going, I'm shooting another gun smoke. Woo-hoo. Oh, that's great. So, yeah, it was fun. That that is fantastic. So, at what point did you decide to go back and get your uh, PhD? Well, that uh, boy, that was a decision. Um, <laughs> when I when I started my Master of Arts degree here at Cal State Northridge, I started that in 1998 and went part time because my son was only five years old at the time, and I didn't want to do full time school. I should have done the MFA because that for me as an actor is a better degree, but I didn't want to be in school 24 hour seven with my kid, you know? So I went for the master of arts and while I'm going there, I thought, well, that will be good enough. Well, Oh no. If you wanted to get a job in higher education, you needed the terminal degree and scholarship, which is a PhD. So it took me a while to get the MA decided to apply for graduate schools for PhDs. My marriage was ending. I was going through a divorce Uh, and I didn't, my career here had kind of died out and I was looking at the future going, what am I going to do? I can't, you know, as a divorced woman in Hollywood with a kind of a waning career, I didn't see much of a future. So that's what spurred me on to apply. And I got accepted to Ohio state and then U of I. And so U of I offered me a full ride scholarship fellowship. So I took that. I moved to a house in Champaign-Urbana. My ex-husband moved to a house in Monticello. So we were really close. And uh, Bob's family all lived in Chicago. Mine all lived in Cleveland. So it was nice to be back there for a while. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, the, the PhD uh, was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. The coursework was easy. Breezed through that in a couple of years. Took my qualifying exams. Cried every day, but got made, made through those. <laughs> and then the dissertation phase really, really stopped me. I had a great idea. It was rejected and it kind of spun me around and I was lost for a few years and then finally just kept pushing pushing started teaching at a community college to survive my son went through high school went through college and finally got the degree in 2012 stayed another couple of years uh, applying for jobs and still teaching and nothing was coming through my life I really felt at that point in my life that I had hit a major dead end I was very depressed. I felt, honestly, folks, I, I felt like I had flushed my life down the toilet. Wow. And my son graduated and he was on his way to, you know, his own career. So in 2014, I just started contacting some friends back in LA and said, I'm coming back. I, I can't stand this. I, I, so I packed my life into my beat up car, which broke down in Denver, Colorado. Oh, no. uh, my way out. Yeah. <sighs> and so I had One of my brother's friends lived in Denver, so he helped me greatly. Uh, Made it back here in 2014 with like two cents to my name and 
just started applying and finding work, uh, got hired at AMDA to teach one class, was so excited about that, and just kind of gradually started becoming me again. I had lost who I was. I had lost my way and just started again. And I again, I've been very, very lucky. Uh, shot a commercial because my old commercial agent was still around when I moved back and they took me back. And so that helped and gradually started auditioning through just submitting myself. You know, that's what you do now as an actor. And uh, got on a great little web series called Mr. Student Body President. Loved it. Loved the two writers. It, the show was really adorable and had a great time shooting that. Uh, and then started getting more teaching and back and forth. So that's kind of how I've pulled myself back up uh, these last five years. So it is what it is. And you, you always, I don't want to give up. I don't ever want to give up. And I just am riding the wave. So. I had a play I wrote. Uh, I wrote a play for a dear, very dear friend of mine that I grew up with, died suddenly of a exploding heart or something. I don't know. Wrote a play about it uh, in 2004. Uh, she died. And then in 2007, eight, I wrote a play about it, one act. And we put it on at U of I's little theater. Kind of forgot about it for a while. And then I'm a member of the, of the Road Theater Company out here in North Hollywood. And we have a playwriting festival every year. So... I submitted it last year and it was accepted and they did a reading of it and I'm very encouraged with that and I've also written screenplay and I've got an idea for a web series so I'm trying to really develop my writing and talking to Ed and Chris and being you know with two great writers like that really gives you some really good advice so it, it's pretty cool. And now I know you can't you know we're, we're definitely not going to poke for any details on Face the Music but I imagine it had to be really great getting the band back together. Had to be a oh, fantastic experience. Yeah, it, it was. I uh, I was shooting a scene, and luckily for me, the camera was on the two guys first. Uh, so I had a couple of hours of watching them work together again. And it was like 32 years never happened. Wow. Their chemistry and their friendship. Those two guys are, are really good friends. Not, you know, not just on screen. They're really good friends in real life. And it just comes across. And... I was I just sat there watching with just the biggest smile on my face the whole time going this is surreal I love it. So, oh, well I wish you yeah. could see our smiles right now cuz this is surreal for us. Right this is amazing. This is amazing. <laughs> well thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. We really 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 appreciate it and you know if in 7 months if you have a few spare minutes to talk about face the music we'd love to have you back and, and chat real quick about the experience on the third film too. Great. I would love to do that. Thank you so much, Dr. Stock. Yay, thank you for calling me that. That's great. I love it. But go see the movie. Can't wait. Seven oh. months. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> All right. That was our interview with Dr. Amy Stock. Amazing. Thank you so much for giving us the time to talk. It was just great. I'm blown away. Uh, it. They say never meet your idols, but... yeah. Screw that. I'm, I'm thrilled we got to have that conversation. That was amazing. <laughs> Thanks to Dr. Amy Stock. We should probably say that uh, we are still in a hiatus waiting for the cone of silence for Face the Music to be lifted. Mm -hmm. But if something else pops up, which hopefully it inevitably will, we will be dropping another surprise episode uh, for your pleasure. Yep. And uh, hopefully we'll have Amy back uh, after the movie oh, man, is out. Great. and She can talk to us a lot more about actually filming that movie. That would be so, so. cool. 
Uh, so thanks to Michael Eads and We Own This Town for producing. Yes, recently celebrated a birthday. Yeah, happy birthday, old man. <laughs> and we also want to thank uh, Scott Bricklin and Scooby Tunes Music for the most excellent use of the most excellent theme song to our podcast, Walk Away. And uh, Kelly, let's be excellent to each other. Party on, Jason. Nice to meet you all. There's sodas in the fridge. <laughs>